Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. Thank you, Joe. Wow, 47, 18 to 30, that's pretty good going. Do you remember when you were 18 to 30? No, I don't either. <laughs> Get out of there. <laughs> so uh, this is a sign of the times that I'm uh, having to wear glasses to do a reading this morning. Actually, the font on my notes has increased as the older I've got. started off at 12, it's now up to 18. So I don't have to use glasses, but that's not the case with the Bible. So we're going to read uh, together from uh, Joshua uh, chapter 2, just a couple of verses at the beginning and then some a bit later on. Uh, Joshua uh, chapter 2. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies to Shittim. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. And then we have the story of how uh, Rahab saved them from the king. And uh, we go to verse 8. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family, because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she had said this to them, go to the hills and the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return, then go on your way. The men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless we enter the land. When we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in your window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house, if anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will not be on his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be in our hands if we if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath, and you will you, you have made us swear. Agreed, she replied, let it be to me as you say. So she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Well, it's really nice to be back here. Uh, 18 to 30, I was 26 when I came here um, all those uh, years ago. It's this place, um, always a special place in Karen and I's heart, a really significant time. It played such a, an amazing time uh, in our lives and we're forever grateful for the people that we uh, came to know and, and love here. And if you're sitting there looking at me this morning thinking, hasn't Billy got old? Be assured I'm looking at you and thinking exactly <laughs> the same thing. 
I like to share stories, and uh, I was reading a book. I was reading a book on um, humour in the church, and um, it was written by a Catholic priest, and he was looking at the theology of humour, and he included a story in this book that I want to share with you. It's got nothing whatever to do with what I'm going to say this morning, but it's a good story. No, it does really. So a Catholic priest, a Baptist preacher, and a rabbi served as chaplains to the students of a college in the Midwest. The three friends would often get together several times a week for coffee. One day someone commented that preaching to people isn't all that hard. The real challenge would be to preach to a wild bear. So they decided to do an experiment. They would venture into the woods, find a bear, preach to it and attempt to convert it. Seven days later they gathered to discuss their experience. Father Flannery, who had his arm in a sling, was on crutches and had bandages on his face, went first. Well, he said, I went into the woods to find a bear. And when I found him, I began to read to him from the catechism. The bear wanted nothing to do with me and rudely pushed me around. So I grabbed my holy water and I baptized him. And he became as gentle as a lamb. The bishop's coming next week to give him first communion and to confirm him. <laughs> Reverend Smith spoke next. He was in a wheelchair. Had one arm and both legs and casts. Well, brothers, I went out and found a bear as well. Then I began to read to him from God's holy words, but that bear wanted nothing to do with me. So I took hold of him. We began to wrestle. We wrestled down one hill and up another until we came to a creek. So I quickly dunked him and baptized him. And like you say, Father, he became as gentle as a lamb. We spent the rest of the day praising Jesus. The priest and the preacher both looked down at Rabbi Stein, who was on a stretcher and he was in a full body cast. The rabbi looked up at him and said, looking back on it, circumcision may not have been the best way to start. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? Hey, preaching at a bear, that'd be a bit of an adventure, wouldn't it? I like adventures. I, I like ad adventures. I like adventure films, you know, like Indiana Jones. Uh, it was really kind of fast moving. There's lots of fights. And, and to be honest, if I'm honest, I like a bit of blood and guts. You know, I'm, I'm, for my sins, I, I do. And um, I, I discover, actually, that my Christianity goes out the window whenever I'm watching films. I don't know about you, but, you know, you watch these films where um, someone's family's been killed and, you know, there's an evil guy and he's a baddie and then all of a sudden the goodie gets the baddie at his mercy. And, and I see that scene and I don't say to myself... I really wish this guy would repent now so he could be forgiven. I stand there going, give him a... <laughs> Do you know that? My Christianity just goes completely out the window. Well, Indiana Jones has got nothing on the book of Joshua. If it's adventure and blood and guts that you want and violence, well, Joshua's the book for you. And this morning we're just briefly touching in this passage in chapter 2 of the story about the spies and Rahab. So remember that they've crossed the Jordan and they now come to Jericho and, and there's this idea of spying out the land. And as I thought about what to say and, and prayed about what to say today, the Lord reminded me that actually these spies and Rahab are a kind of mirror of our own lives and experience. And that's true in a number of different ways. And, and so what I want to say this morning is that when we decide to follow God, we get involved in an amazing adventure. We get involved in an amazing uh, path. And, and when we embark on that great adventure of faith, then certain things happen in our lives. And I, I want to mention just three of them that are, are found in this passage. 
First of all, when we follow God and go after God, our lives can take us to the most unlikely of places. We find ourselves in the most unlikely of places. So imagine your mission group is having a a meeting and you're thinking, right, where are we going to plant? Where are we going to go? And some bold figure in your group says, let's go to a brothel. That'd be really good. You'd think that was pretty strange. (laughs) And you'd think the people signing up for that mission were pretty strange as well. It's not the most obvious place to go to. But that's what they did. That's exactly where they went. That's where they went to spy out the land. It's not the most obvious place. But again, there was probably the place where they would pick up all the gossip. They'd grasp some of the background of the people that were there. They would grasp something of what they were facing when they went to Jericho. And it has been my experience that when you follow Christ, you can end up in the most unlikely of places. Karen, what do you think about this? There's a church in a place called Poynton looking for an assistant minister. Where's that? I haven't a Scooby-Doo. It's a bit of an unlikely place, but we're really glad that God led us here. I have a friend on Facebook who takes great delight from July onwards telling everybody how many days it is to Christmas. It's incredibly irritating. And and he knows I don't particularly like Christmas time. But what I do like about Christmas is the message of Christmas because it's about God coming to the most unlikely place. This is what God says to us in this story. It's about God coming to the most unlikely of places. And this story is a prophetic reminder to us of that. That God should enter into an unlikely world. That Mary and Joseph should stop in this unlikely, out-of-the-way place. That Jesus should be born in the most unlikely of stables. Everything about it is unlikely and unpredictable. And when you and I decide to follow Christ, we need to be prepared for the fact that God often will take us into the most unlikely of places for his plan and for his purpose in order for us to exercise our influence and be salt and light. So many stories in the Bible have people ending up in unlikely places. Who would have thought that David would become king? Who would have thought that Ruth would have got in touch with Boaz? This is part of the characteristic of the line of Jesus right into the New Testament. And so as you offer yourselves to God this week, as you say, God, here's my life again for this, this week, don't be shocked if he leads you into an unlikely place, somewhere where you never thought you'd end up. Secondly, when we follow God in this adventure, our lives can take us to the most unlikely of people. So verse one, she went and in, she, they went and entered the house of a prostitute called Rahab and they stayed there. So when it comes to advancing the kingdom of God, when it comes to the purpose of God being worked out, if you think about it, Rahab was the most unlikely of people in this story. And that's true from a number of of fronts and a number of areas. Clearly, she was a prostitute. She wasn't exactly a pillar of our society. On top of that, she was a Gentile. It wasn't as if she had any Jewish heritage at all. On top of that, she was a pagan. She probably worshipped Ashtaroth, the goddess of the moon. She was the last person that you would think should be involved in this story. 
but when we follow God, God takes us into the lives of the most unlikely of people. Some years ago, I did a sabbatical, and as part of that sabbatical, I applied to um, a trust fund called the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. Anybody, a Churchill Fellow here? Any church? No? Anyway, if you, if you ever want to do a project, you need to go on, online and look at the Winston Churchill Memorial Trust. They fund various projects, and I wanted to do a study in sports chaplaincy because of the chaplaincy work that I'm involved in. And basically what they do is they fund travelling fellowships. So I went to uh, New Zealand and Australia to study sports chaplaincy. And then you have to write a paper on it. And when your paper is accepted, they present you with a solid silver medallion of Winston Churchill. And it just so happened that the year that I did it, um, it was the 60th anniversary, I think, of Winston Churchill. And the Queen wanted to present them at Buckingham Palace. <laughs> Here we go. So there were about 100 of us with our, our, our husbands or our wives, went to the palace, received the medal, and then after it, they have a, um, they have a drinks uh, reception in the picture gallery uh, where everybody just mills around and people come and talk and the Queen uh, mills around. And I, I was standing there... Uh, been forced to drink Winston Churchill's favourite champagne. <laughs> and uh, one of the guys who'd interviewed me for this was talking to me, and then this guy came over, and he said, ah, ah, Peter, Peter, look, this is Bill. Bill, say hello to Peter. I went, hi, Peter, how are you doing? Oh, hi, Bill, hi, Bill. Oh, nice to meet you, nice to meet you. And he began to talk, and I soon discovered he was in the RAF. So I said, oh, did you fly planes in the RAF? Yes, 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 yes. When I was a Secretary for Defence, I flew all kinds of planes. I also had to go at those Ruskies MiGs planes. And I'm like, what? What on earth am I doing here? And then this other guy came over and he went, ah, 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 Duke of Marlborough, meet Bill. <laughs> oh, how's it going and that, you know? <laughs> it was crazy. And then a miracle, a miracle took place there and then. The Queen came up and Karen was speechless. <laughs> It's the only time ever, ever. It's the only time Karen has ever, ever been speechless in her life. She just went gaga and didn't know what to say when Queen Crowell started speaking to us. And I'm standing there thinking, this is completely surreal. This is completely mad. But that's what happens sometimes when God puts his hand on your lives and takes you to meet people that you would never, ever expect to meet. And that's what happened when we set out to follow Christ that can lead us to the most unlikely of people. Paul's journey took him before some of the most influential people, Agrippa and all the rest of it. Mother Teresa's journey took her to some of the world's poorest people. But then, is that not a message of the gospel? What you have here is prophetic for what is going to happen in the future. God didn't enter into a world that deserved it. It was pretty unlikely that God would enter into the world, but it happened. Christ being born to a poor young couple was pretty unlikely, but it happened. And when Jesus grows up and begins his ministry, he has a reputation for meeting some pretty unlikely people, the lepers, the tax collectors, the adulterers. And it didn't go down too well with the religious law. Danielle Strickland often talks about reaching to the last, the least, and the lost. Well, the interesting thing here is that this unlikely Rahab actually saved these men's lives. But that's another story. 
God often leads us to the most unlikely of people and and he does so so that you and I can make a difference. And that's what happened here. So you notice a number of things about Rahab here. First of all, she heard the truth about life in God. Verses 8 and 11 tell us how she'd heard about God, how she'd heard about some of the miracles that God had been doing and that stirred her up. This is the point that Paul makes in Romans. How can people hear unless someone goes to them? People need to hear the truth about God. There's so much ignorance about God in our society today. You know, the the Christian foundation of our nation has gone, long gone. And so there's so much ignorance in our society today. People being told that all religions lead to God. People growing up thinking that God hates them or at the very least tolerates them. People growing up thinking that they can make it to heaven on their own. People need to hear the truth today that they're valued and significant and loved by God and that he's got a plan for them. And that's true because that's what the cross is about. The message that life can be different. Often when people hear that message, it stirs them up. They realise that there's more to life as they know it. And that's how Rahab felt. Maybe that's where you are this morning. You come this morning and do you know what? There's got to be more to life than this. That's what set me in the road to Christianity. I was working five days a week in an accountant's office. I was playing semi-pro football. But I was waking up after the weekend every Monday and think, oh dear, if I get this for another 70 years of my life, and then I kick the bucket at the end of it. There's got to be more to life than this. That's how Rahab felt. She heard the truth about life and God. Then secondly, she wanted to experience the salvation of God. Verses 12 and 13, please swear that you'll show kindness to my family. She wants here to save herself and her family. She desired a different life. She wanted a new beginning for her and her family. She didn't want to perish in the ensuing carnage that would take place. Do you know, that's a really encouraging thing for me, folks. If we want life to be different, it can. If we want to make a new start, we can. When Jesus met people in the New Testament, he accepted them exactly where they were, all their faults, all their failures, but he did that in order that they might be able to make a new start. For the tax collector, who's unlikely, the unlikely leper, the unlikely woman caught in adultery, life could be different. But they needed to want that to happen. One of the things I'm encouraged by is the fact that God never forces himself on people. Never wrestles people into heaven. Do you know, I once took a guy from college, I felt sorry for a guy at college once who was going through a difficult time. And he told me I liked to wrestling, so I decided to go to the wrestling with him one night. Have you ever been to the wrestling? These normal, upright people walk in through the front door. Once the wrestling starts, they get transformed into the most aggressive, violent people you could ever imagine. There were old women going down to the side of the ring with their umbrellas trying to hit the guy. Some people think God, God does that with us. That somehow he wrestles us into the kingdom of God. The lovely thing about God is God respects who we are. He never forces himself upon us. He never twists people's arms. He says it like it is. He says, look, I want to tell you you're in great danger. You're in a place of facing judgment. But I want to tell you that life can be different. But you need need to want that life to be different as well. You need to do something about that. And we can come to church and we can sing the songs and we can like the people. But until we actually say to God, you know what, God, I want my life to be different. I want my life to change. Nothing will ever happen until we do that. She heard the truth about life in God. She wanted to experience salvation from God. Then thirdly, she committed herself to obedience of God. 
So they tell her that she needs to tie the scarlet cord in the window of her home. If her family are with them, they'll be safe. If they're outside of the house when the army came, then the spies weren't going to be responsible. And so in verse 21 we read, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. She did what she was told to do. There's an echo here of the Passover in the Jewish history in Moses' day where they painted the blood on the doorpost for the Passover. The angel of death passed by. When you get to the point where you want things to be different, you have to do what Jesus says. Quite simple. That means taking a step of faith. He who believes in me will live. Doesn't matter whether you're the last or the least or the lost. By saying to Christ, I want a new start, it can happen. And, and for me, that's the hardest part of all because that involves being vulnerable. And I guess all of us struggle with vulnerability. Vulnerability can change so much of our lives. You've probably heard the story about the guy who's walking along the cliff and he falls off the cliff and he grabs onto the, the tuft of grass and he's hanging there, death point. And he shouts up, oh, please, if there is a God up there, please help me. And a voice comes from heaven and says, don't worry, I am here. Let go and I'll catch you. And he says, is there anybody else up there? (laughs) (laughs) We find it difficult to let go. We find it difficult to be vulnerable. We find it difficult to put ourselves in places where we might get hurt or disappointed. We struggle with vulnerability. For some of us, that's because we've been hurt or let down in the past. Yet, do you know what? It's only through vulnerability that change takes place. It's only when you take the step of faith. It's only when you take a risk. Vulnerability can be incredibly creative if we could just discover the wonder of it. Do you remember the first time you actually said to someone, I think I might love you. (laughs) Do you remember that moment, how that felt, the vulnerability that that involved? Rahab had no way of knowing whether the spies would be true to their words, but she took a risk. She did what they said. She hung the cord out there. Well, one of the questions I have for you today is, have you hung your cord out the window? Jesus says that because of his death, we can be free from judgment. Life can be different. He doesn't force it upon us. He invites us to follow him. When we do that, we pass from darkness to life, death to life, judgment to forgiveness. And that's really what this table is all about. That's what this table reminds us of today. It's a reminder of the adventure that you and I are on and following. So our lives can take us to the most unlikely of places. It can take us to the most unlikely of people. Finally, this morning, briefly, our lives can contribute to the most unlikely of purposes. In chapter 6, verse 25, we read this. We we can get the kind of conclusion to this story. But Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute with her family, and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies from Jericho. And then there is a simple addition And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Well, you would think that was the end. And to all intents uh, and purposes, for her life, that is the end. But it's not the end of the significance of her life. 
Because when we look at the genealogy of Jesus, who do we find as his ancestor? Rahab. In Hebrews 11.31, she's mentioned in dispatches for the step of faith and trust and vulnerability that she took. In James 2, James sets her up as an example, excuse me. (coughs) James sets her up as an example of how faith can work. Rahab never knew what the future would hold for her, but God did. See, this God stands outside of time. And because he stands outside of time, he sees the whole picture. We need to grasp that. That God sees the whole. That means he sees not just the significance of your life right now. He sees the significance of your life long after you've left this planet and gone to be with him. There are things that maybe need to happen in our lives right now because they're tied up with his plan for the future. How mad is that? Your life is significant beyond your years. Just think about that. Some of my future generations could go on to play for Liverpool. (laughs) How good would that be? If not, at least do something significant for the kingdom. There's a bigger picture. And you and I can play our part. This means that our lives are incredibly significant, (coughs) excuse me, and significant beyond our time. And so God encourages us to go after his purpose and go after his adventure and go after his life. I want to ask you, will you make that choice again this morning? Maybe even make it for the first time. The choice to be vulnerable. The choice to believe the choice to follow Christ, the choice to a life of adventure. When you do that, it will take you to the most unlikely of places. You will meet the most unlikely of people and God willing, you will fulfill the most unlikely of purposes. May that be our experience this week for Jesus' sake. Amen. Why don't we pray together? How are you getting on in this adventure? Some of us are maybe here and we've just started and it's great and it's exciting. Some of us have maybe been on the road for a long time and actually we've lost that sense of adventure because it's tough and it's hard and life throws at you all kinds of curveballs. And and maybe this morning, the one thing God wants to say to you again this morning as you come around this table, do you know what? You're just so significant. You're just so important to me. Maybe you need to make that step for the first time. I encourage you to do that this morning and say, do you know what, God, I want life to be different and I want you to be part of it. Lord, thank you uh, this morning for the adventurous life that you've called us to. And thank you that you don't call us to a life that you yourself are not familiar with. And so we thank you again that you've gone before us, that you are the trailblazer.
because of that, you understand our lives. You understand the frustrations, the difficulties, the hardships. But we say again, Lord, we, we want to continue. We want to go on. We want to live out this life of adventure. We want our lives to count for the kingdom of God. And, and so this, this week, Lord, we want to give you permission to lead us to whoever you want to lead us to. Unlikely people, maybe. People we wouldn't ordinarily connect with. We want to give you permission to, to lead us to those unlikely places, maybe places we would never have dreamed of. That we might be a people that fulfill your purposes. So we lay down our lives before you again. We give you them back. We surrender them to you. Make of them what you will and what you please. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.